This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Oh, good evening. Welcome to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. It is Jake Watson in for Matt Beadle this evening. We have got Dave Laney Lane and Katie B from the Besotted with me until 9pm this evening. But before we go straight into some Brentford chat, it is Wolves against Manchester United in the Premier League this evening. It has just kicked off. Just to run through the team news very, very quickly again. The big headline, I suppose, for Manchester United is that Daniel James starts this evening after scoring on his debut last week. So it's De Gea, Wambasaka, Lindelof, Maguire, Shaw, McTominay, Pogba, James Lingard, Martial and Rashford and for Wolves is Patricio Doherty Bolly, Cody Bennett Johnny Moutinho Dendonka Neves Yota and Jimenez I will let you know when there are some goals in that one but let's talk Brentford Katie and Dave a very good evening how are we both? Yeah I think we're both alright yep, I think we're all yeah, good yeah we've done the, we've done the holy tr- the, the trilogy we've done the win the draw and <laughs> yes. the defeat it's, yep. it's, uh, always, it's almost like the, almost like the perfect hat trick the, the header the left foot the right foot so yeah it's, uh, it's been a it's been a, a very very mixed start to the season but yeah. all in all not a bad one yeah no joining us on the phone a little bit later on we'll have a Jim Livak um, so yeah it's it is strange isn't it because I felt over the last few seasons that Brentford have been kind of the entertainers in the sense you're not really ever quite knowing what you're going to get from them but looking at the, at the results and I'm purely going off the results and please do tell me if, if I'm wrong it seems that there's well in terms of goals there's not been a huge amount no there hasn't been a huge amount and surprisingly few yeah and it could have gone a lot lot better and it but and it could have gone a lot lot worse if yeah. we hadn't have won at Middlesbrough the previous Saturday we'd be looking at you know two two defeats and a draw which would yep. have been disastrous um, or you know a defeat and two draws which would have been pretty pretty you know head scratchy and a little bit oh god how's this going to work out but equally we did win at Borough we could have won at the death on Saturday where, yeah, you know, Jean Vier put a header wide where it, sh- it was easier to put it in and we should have beaten Birmingham. So it, yeah. we could have been 100%. So it's one of those, we're not, mm. we're not, we're not the finished article by a long way. It's been there's a lot. There's a lot to be positive about, though. There is, yeah. And there's been a big turnover of players. So, yeah. you know, a lot, of, a lot of players are finding their feet. Some are coming back from injury, like Ben Rama as well. So, 
it's, it might take five or six weeks before we know what kind of you know the, the real potential of this squad yeah no because it, it, I suppose it was a, a slightly strange summer uh, I'm fully aware you would have spoken about it over the last few weeks with, with Matt on the show you know with Neil Mopé going and there was also links with, with Ben Rama as well and I know he yeah. has been has been injured but it was kind of like that was all everyone was initially talking about wasn't it over the summer and then the season started and then that defeat to Birmingham and, and if anyone you didn't even need to watch it just seeing, seeing the highlights that I mean it was about a smash and grab as I think I've ever seen well, <laughs> an away win we, we did talk about this you know the week after or the Monday after yeah. you know there's, there's this fairness league table now which that we you can judge how fair a result is All right. and apparently this is the most unfair what in the history of football history of football yeah, yeah. Oh, no, in the history of, the, history of sports no it doesn't surprise me that doesn't surprise it was quite unbelievable, wasn't it? But you know, but you say that the signs in general over the course of the three games, whilst a mixed bag, there's loads to be positive about. Yeah, definitely. There's a so that that kind of churn that we've had over the summer. We were all very excited because we brought in all these great players, lots of buzz around them, mm. and then suddenly the sort of the narrative shifted to who's going to leave, who's going to yeah. go, are we going to lose Mope, are we going to lose Ben Rama? And when it when it happens so late in the window as well, yeah. it's so un, it's so frustrating, isn't it? Because you know if you're going to lose someone like Mope, which you knew there's always a chance of doing it, yeah. it doesn't matter if you get forty, fifty, sixty million pounds for him if you do it on blooming deadline day you haven't got time to bring anyone in anyway so it, it disrupts everything doesn't it yeah and I think we've always um, the club always say we get our business done early we know what we're doing we've got you know eyes on the prize yeah. kind of thing but other clubs are always going to disrupt that and I think that was this window was probably one of the first times we've really felt that like oh god what's going to happen oh god everyone's coming in it was a proper window though wasn't it yeah. you know we, we spent big and we, yeah. we, we you know we, yeah. we got in big as well and it just shows you the progression, you know, where where we were buying players for half a million and selling them for three or four or five. And now we're now we're being three or four and five, yeah. and then selling them for twenty. You know, I know it's only one at twenty, but you know, Konza went for twelve, um, and Ben Rama, we've put a bounty on him for twenty five million. So, yeah. yeah, so you know, that's that's where we're at, and it's there, there is this evolution um, and, and this. You know, change of mindset amongst the, the fans as well. That it's really tough. Well, it's difficult to get your head around sometimes. The, yeah. the, the, the numbers have increased. Yeah. And again, I know you would have done this a million times already. But what is the ambition for the season? Has it has it changed since the window, or, or has it changed following the first three games? What is the thought? You know, because it'd be wonderful, wouldn't it, with the, the last season at the stadium to kind of mark it with, with a promotion? Is that is that a viable, realistic ambition? I think we started the transfer window thinking we're going to go up and we brought all these amazing players mm. in and we're like, we're going to do it. This yeah, is yeah, the yeah. season. We are going to do it. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. And then I think that slipped away a little bit towards the end. And I think we had a bit of anxiety about all these new players gelling, how they're going to work. Um, and then the first three games of probably made us still a little bit anxious still not quite sure it's going to happen still not quite sure they're going to gel it's an impossible league to predict anyway isn't it yeah. it really is and let's not forget we've got a trip to Ellen Road on Wednesday we will be talking yes. a lot about that later on yeah. Um, so yeah that, that's that's kind of that could go one of two ways as well. <laughs> I could go very, very well or yeah. very, very badly. So we'll we'll see what Wednesday brings. But yeah, we were t- we were talking um, in the pre-production meeting um, <laughs> of in, two in in the in the ring um, <laughs> that you know we were saying you know what what have we learned so far yeah. and you know we, we've come up with you know there was there was five five things on on Saturday, Katie. That you go you go first with your five think things Thank that you, stand out observations and things that we kind of 
you know, we, we walked out at five o'clock thinking, hmm. Yeah, so at five o'clock, the things I was thinking at five o'clock on Saturday were, um, actually, Dalsgaard at the beginning of the season looks good. Yeah. Looks fresh, looks attacking, looks committed, um, looks exciting. And we could not say that at this time last year. Um, so given that he's now one of our longest-serving players, that's a nice thing to be able Let, to say. In his defence, let's remember he did have the World Cup. He played in the World Cup for played Denmark every, every and he came minute. back and he was absolutely knackered. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I respect that. Yeah. I respect his knackeredness. Um, my second thing is Matthias Jensen, who's super exciting midfield uh, that we have just brought in. Um, but I thought on Saturday he looked pretty lost in that first half, in our first setup. But when we started, uh, when we made those changes, when we changed our lineup, brought under silver, um, I thought he looked great. He suddenly looked excited, came alive, spreading the ball around, driving forward. So I think for me, we've got to see how he fits in, in terms of what formation we're playing. Um, and off the back of that, my third thing is uh, Norgard, um, our new defensive midfielder, um, looked a bit disconnected from the other players. Uh, that was his debut, so I feel a little bit mean. Maybe I'm being a little bit You're very harsh. unfair. <laughs> no, brutal, brutal. <laughs> um, it's that pre-production meeting in the pub. Um, but I thought, yeah, he wasn't dropping back enough, wasn't picking up the balls from defence, wasn't bringing it out, which is kind of how we play. So that felt like a thing to work on or a thing to watch. But again, that was his debut. Maybe I should calm down. Um, Ratic, one of our central defenders, very young, Mr. sad penalty. Mm. in our Carabao Cup that maybe we don't want to talk about. No. Um, but uh, he looked he looked great, positioning was great, looked lively, looked strong, but again, always passing backwards, always passing sidewards, not driving it forward, which is so central to our play. Um, and my last thing is that Ollie Watkins might not play like the striker we want him to, but he can score strikers' goals. Yeah. Anything um, to pick up from that, Dave? Yeah, well, I, I, I agree with all of that. and But the Watkins point, especially, you know, we, we haven't got a natural number nine after departure of Morpay. Mm. And there's a lot of pressure on, on Watkins' shoulders. Uh, and, you know, he's beefed up clearly over the summer. Um, they've obviously had him in mind for playing that role, whether yeah. it's... You suspected know, this may happen. So, so yeah, he, 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 we've got until January to, to, to per- persevere with him. I mean, you know, my, my observations were, you know, I think it was great to see Ben Rama back on the subs bench. Great to see him come on. Brilliant reception, I thought. Sergi Canos had a Jacqueline Hyde match, but the last 20 minutes, it was just sensational. Yeah, um, there's a lot of, again, a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Um, Brian Mumbuemo was he, he had the best ever match by a Brentford player whose surname begins with MB. <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't had any of those before, so that, that was a, that was a good one. Good job, Brian. Um, I think he's going to have that prize for a little while. <laughs> how's your How's your maths? How's your statistics? It, um, my, I, I love a football statistic. Right. But I'm awful at maths. It's like when you change something from maths into football, though. I can just about work it out. But go on. Okay, so our attendance on yeah. Saturday was exactly eleven thousand. What are the actual chances of that getting any exact thousands? Is it one in a thousand? I mean, I, I, I don't can, know. Can, can, we, can, we, can we open that one out to the world? What are the odds of getting eleven thousand on the nose? And if you know, oh two oh eight seventy twenty five five eight. And lastly, it was actually too hot for long trousers on Saturday. Oh. It, was, it was a shorts day, and I, I I didn't dress appropriately. So that was the last thing I, I these, discovered. These are the important topics all being covered here. So look, those are the thoughts of Dave and Katie from that one or draw. But let's hear from the. Brentford fans now. Oh, they thought after that game. The chances all came in the last 20 minutes. Uh, once we've changed it up to 4-4-2, we looked a lot better going forward. 
Uh, I think the Silva really was strong in the midfield. And uh, it's Ben Rama you know, did a nice few tricks. Basically, Canos uh, came alive. His last 20 minutes, Canos was superb. He had lots of good chances, just past the post. Scored that goal. Keeper had a couple of really good saves. But the first 70 minutes, you have to say, Cole probably just edged it and deserved to be one up. It's only, you know, uh, in the end, I think 1-1 was a fair result. No, I don't think we deserved anything more than a draw from that. There were some good bits in there as well. as a few promising bits. But overall, I thought we looked a little bit um, unsure of our formation still, which I guess is just to be expected, unfortunately. A few flashes and, you know, a few bits of excitement. But the whole looks a decent team. I'd, I'd imagine they'll be doing OK this year. Um, a little, perhaps a little bit more experience than we've got. But there's enough there to build. And I think we're just so desperate to get going straight away and get moving. I think it's going to be a slightly frustrating start for us. We still haven't got a proven number nine. I, I think you saw when Force come on, he was sort of making the runs that Ollie wasn't. I think we're all hoping Ollie can be that player. I honestly would start with Force up front. Let's give him a run. If the club believe him, let's play him from the start. It, it was a disjointed performance for the Bees. We're not our ultimate best. You've only got to look back to when we last played these and we were absolutely buzzing, the interplay of players. And yet again, it just wasn't quite happening today, especially in that first half. It seemed a very disjointed performance again to me. Yeah, no, I think it was disappointing kind of moving the ball forward. There, was, there wasn't enough connection between defence, great, midfield, great, forwards, great. But it was too slow between them. There needs to be some sort of connection forming eventually. But I just think between each sort of position on the pitch, there wasn't enough kind of movement. It was too slow. And I think we need to work on that. Uh, 25 years ago, my friend Mark and I were in London, and we asked the guy at the tube, he said, are there any matches? He said, yeah, go see Brentford. We came out to here to this game, or we saw uh, Brentford versus Hull City 25 years ago, and then uh, I knew that Griffin Park was closing, and I said, I got to come back. So 25 years later, uh, I call myself the Alopecian, and I came back with my wife to go catch a match, and it was absolutely fantastic. I think our midfield needs to get a little bit more gelled, but give them time. By the end of this year, if we can keep all these players, we're going to be top four easily. It was a fair result. I thought first 60 minutes, we were the better team. We should have got the second goal when we were 1-0 up. And then it, you got back into the game over the next 20, and then you deserve to get the equaliser, to be fair. We really need to get that second goal, because without that, then we was always going to have that, at least a period of the game where we were being on the back foot. And then from about 60 minutes onwards, you, you got back into the game. And then when it came to it, you could see the goal coming and then probably towards the end of the game we were lucky to keep it at 1-1 because I know a couple of, you missed a couple of sitters at the end particularly the header at the back post that was a yeah, Jean big miss big miss but yeah over the course of 90 minutes thought 1-1 was fair it's an indication of how much we've solidified at the back um, and I think that we owe a lot of that down to Pontus Janssen uh, I thought he was absolutely outstanding today uh, and yeah we definitely look a lot tighter a lot of less chances being created however I did think that Jean-Vierre and Ratchet and Henry did give away um, the ball in midfield and sort of bringing the ball out from the defence a few times, which created a few chances. But I think with Pontus at the back, I thought him, him and Dalsgaard today were the standout performance for me. With half an hour to go, we really started clicking, moved Canos to wing back, brought Ben Rama on, brought De Silva on. But we've gained a point having not played really, really well, and I think that's an encouraging sign. The best teams play, uh, still get results and still get points when they're playing badly. Uh, and that's something that we've done today. We're just saying you've probably got to allow from now probably maybe five or six games for us to work as a team. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating because you can see we've got the quality, the talent there. First, I hope we're a good team. They've got a good unit. They play to their strengths. 
But yeah, it's just frustrating. Um, we should have scored. John Vey should have scored that header towards the end. I think on balance of playing the second half, we should have nicked it. But yeah, you know, we want to see us winning. We want to see us playing our beautiful football and battering teams. But, you know, if, if a lot of the signings are coming four or five weeks before they did, they could have had all the pre-season, the friendlies, etc. But they didn't. And no matter how frustrating it is and how much I swear during the game, it's just going to take a little bit of time. We've just got to be patient. But it's annoying being patient because you want to see us battering teams like them, don't you? Brilliant stuff. Those were the Brentford fans, their views. Following that draw with Hull, loads to get through this evening until 9pm. Up next here on the Brentford Fan Show, we're going to hear from the Brentford boss, Thomas Frank, and also going to be joined by Brentford journalist, Jim Levac. Do stay with us. Love sports. Yeah, welcome back to the Brentford Fan Show. Here on Love Sport, we've got the guys from Besotted. We've got Dave and Katie. In a short moment, we're going to be speaking to Jim Levat. But before that, let's hear from the Brentford boss. This is Thomas Frank speaking after that draw with Hull. Thomas, how do you reflect on this afternoon's draw? Um, I think that we, first half, didn't hit our level, uh, especially offensively. Mainly, actually, 10, 15 times where we either throw the ball away or didn't have the top quality touch or bad decision on the path, uh, which could have created good opportunities, and that's a lot of opportunities. Um, but okay, that's the way it is. Sometimes you can't just hit it bang on. Second half was better uh, in, in, in terms of creating opportunities, playing more forward, also better touches uh, and, and create um, the most important thing, chances. And, and I'm pleased that we, after being 1-0 down, came back equalised and we just kept going, kept pushing Hull backwards and created two or three chances, big chances. So if Oli score or Julian score, okay, it's a perfect afternoon um, at Griffin Park where we get three points at home and everybody's happy. Uh, now we are not satisfied, we are okay, a point, let's move on to, to the next game uh, because they're coming uh, thick and fast. Um, the disappointing thing is that we can see them a goal I think we shouldn't concede in a situation where we need to do better and then on a day where we didn't hit the highest level offensively you know we win 1-0 what, what maybe stopped you hitting that, that high level today offensively? Yeah, I think some days if I knew that I would be very rich <laughs> uh, I think today our offensive players didn't hit the highest level throughout 90 minutes and I think um, and that was one of the main reasons uh, for, for that but also that you know of clicking and the relations, they just need to be uh, better. And it was the first time Matthias Christian played central. Uh, Brian had his first start, even though that I thought he did quite well. Uh, and when some of the main guys maybe not hit their high level in first half, that's that's where you can see we're a little bit disjointed. But second half was uh, definitely better. I mean, that's a fair point. There's still quite a few guys in, in that team who haven't had that many training sessions or, or that many matches no, as Brentford players. I would say that I'm I'm, I'm confident we'll constantly will get better. I'm 100% I'm sure. Uh, of course, we want to win a game uh, at home, uh, but you know it's championship, and there's no easy games. And in terms of the, the squad options, you were able to welcome so Christian made his, his first his championship debut. Camo yeah. was back on the bench, and, and yeah. Saeed as well. Yeah, and yeah, it was nice. I think we looked uh, strong as a squad uh, now. That was very pleasing. I'm very happy with that. Uh, it's good to have Camo back on the bench. Okay, we didn't use him today, but that will come in the future for sure. Nice to see Saeed back out there. Um, it was good to give uh, Christian his tip here. 
you spoke about obviously when Neil gone, people people stepping up. A, a second goal for Oli and another assist for, for Sergi as well today. No, I agree. I think that's that's uh, the main thing that that uh, Sergi and, and Oli they they keep keep you know racing in their level because we need that. And I'm I'm pleased with their second half. I think first half they didn't hit the highest level. Second half much better and they they produced um, a top top striker goal. And there was a few, there was a couple of shouts. Henrik had two. Do you feel there could have been a, a penalty late, late on in the first half and late in the second half? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, on VAR, I think they could have been pens, but that's the way it is. It was not like you know, hundred percent clear cut. Maybe on VAR, but not not from the outside. Maybe I don't know. And there we are, the thoughts of Brentford boss Thomas Frank and Tawan, who was in that building, that room. Uh, hearing Thomas was uh, Jim Levac joins on the line now. Jim, good evening. Good evening. Uh, um, so, yeah, initial thoughts, you know, from, from hearing Thomas and speaking to him after that game, you know, what was a draw a fair result? I think it was, yeah. I mean, Harlow, let's not forget they're a pretty decent side, uh, decent front three, uh, haven't made too many changes, and I thought they looked quite good, Grzycki and um, Jared Bowen. You know, the, he was given far too much space for the goal. But the fact is, Brentford are a work in progress at the moment, and Thomas is reaction after the game was very much that you know we do need to be patient when he says he's 100% certain things will improve I, I believe him I think they will you can't expect you know four five six new players to come in and for everyone to hit the ground running that said Wednesday night's going to be very very tough for me that's a bit of a free hit if we win it fantastic if we don't it's part of the process and and again patience will be very much a virtue, I think. Evening, Jim's Dave here. How you doing, mate? Hi, uh, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on tonight. Um, the, you know, the, the press conference after the game, he obviously is a very calm man. He, you know, he speaks very, very, you know, he's measured. He, 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 he's, not a, he's not a sort of a ranter. But we've, the fact is that we've had three home games now. We've gone behind in all three of them and we haven't been able to sort of pull... Um, or reverse the game um, and turn a, a, you know a one nil deficit into a vi- into a victory. We we almost we almost did it on Saturday. We, we could we could have we could have actually won that. But do you you know how 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 long do you think it's going to take to gel? I, I would say you'll start to see signs probably after about seven or eight games. To be honest, I mean there were signs even with Mbwemo, um and Ollie Watkins linked up quite nicely. Little dummy on the edge of the box and a one two. You know, on another day that works, but that's a, a good sign for me. Um, Mabuemo gets the ball early on, and clearly he was quite shocked by the physicality of, I think, a couple of challenges on him. But as the game wore on, he, he sort of seemed a bit more prepared for it and was actually warding people off. You know, cause you can use your arms a bit more now to, to, to keep people away. And, it, and he did seem like, like he was coming, acclimatising to it almost. Hey Jim, Katie here. Um, Hi Katie. Hey, um, can I ask what your thoughts are on the um, on Frank's team selection and that kind of ongoing question around uh, who's our number nine and do we have a proper number nine? <laughs> you get me in trouble. Yeah, I, th- I mean, personally, I, I think it, if the directors of football were being completely honest, they would be pretty disappointed that we didn't get a natural number nine in to replace Neil Morpay. Um, I think you know various things conspired against them on on deadline day, and and that's just that's just the way it goes. I think um, you know 
we we have got Ollie Watkins. He made a statement in the press conference that he was going to be our number nine now, which, you know, that's a statement that he's, he's set it out there. And, you know, Watkins is a big, strong, physical presence. He needs to maybe be a little bit braver in some situations. Um, but I think he'll I think he'll learn how to be a bit more sort of clever in the box like Morpé was. He's a different kind of player to Morpé. But, you know, I, I think the team selection, you know, I looked at the team before the game and I thought, you know, fair enough, that's that's not a bad, a bad start in 11 and it's a pretty good bench too. The other really interesting um, sort of transition during the game, I thought, was when we, we, we switched from three-stroke five at the back and we went four four two, and Sergi Canos switching, switching role and he, he came into his own. Sergi Canos, I thought, was inspirational in those last 20 minutes. He set up the equaliser. Um, he, he almost um, supplied, well, he did supply a beautiful cross for Ollie Watkins to put a volley in. Um, and there was one or two other chances that uh, that Canos was involved with. The, the the whole City players really did struggle, uh, and it looked like that it, we he was a substitution. He he looked like you know he he'd, he'd been plugged in. How how bigger how big a role does does Canos play in this team, Jim? I think he, he plays a, a very big role. I'd like to see him have a, a few more good sort of ninety minutes rather than sort of twenty thirties. But I do think, you know, you, you say there was a slight formation switch and that was obviously, you know, a factor in, in the, the last 25, 30 minutes. I also think the presence of Ben Rama gave Hull something else to think about. And that obviously, that, that's got a ripple effect and it frees up other players to, to do, their, do their thing, you know. Um, I mean, Canucks was was pretty pretty knackered, as you say. Um, <laughs> it's been listening. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, he, I mean, he did look tired, but, you know, he wants it, he's passionate for it. And I think, you know, there were some good signs and it is fine margins. If, if John V.A. puts that, that header in at the end or the ball doesn't sort of sit on the keeper's hip when, you know, Ben Rama's through, we're talking about a 3-1 win, you know, and everyone's happy. Yeah, so true. it is, you know, it's, it's fine margins, isn't it? Jim, after the break, we're going to be we're going to be talking about that article that's been put up about you know um, spirituality and is is our football grounds churches as such. Um, I worship you, Dave. You yeah, know. I, I, know, I, know, I know that, and it's, it is slightly slightly cringy if, I'm, if I am honest with you. And I liked that. that was it, nice. has, it has been reported that to the relevant nice authorities. Um, so you know what, but I, I know I know Griffin Park plays a special place in your heart and your family and you know the relationship with your dad and your dad taking you yeah. you know but let, let's let's you know let's let's concentrate on on that you know that re- reverent peter crumpler article and do you do you agree that football grounds are, are, are churches um yeah i mean I, th- I think it's for me if i drive down this this Lincoln road and i get to i come over the bridge even if it's not a match day I get a sort of, you know... Well, you leave it easy. <laughs> no, I do, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a special place, isn't it? And, you know, I'm not particularly religious. Um, I think it's possibly more tribal than religion, and there's a sort of a grey area between the two. But, yeah, certainly, you know, I've got, you know, as you say, my, my dad supported Brentford, his dad supported Brentford, Um and there, there are times, you know, when there's penalties and special moments, I look over to where my dad used to sit. 
and and then look up at the sky and think, yeah. So, may, so there's a sort of a triangle of I wouldn't say spirituality, but there's certainly something bordering on that. Yeah, yeah. I don't see why not. Okay, Jim, absolutely lovely stuff. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Um, we're going to continue before 9pm to look ahead to, is it tomorrow? No, Wednesday. Wednesday. I've got Wednesday. my days confused. I don't know what day of the week <laughs> it is. This is Love Sport. So welcome back, Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. We've got Dave Laney Lane and Katie B uh, from the Poseidon for another half an hour or so. And we, we want to talk about though, we, we've Griffin Park. It's it's the season. It's the last one before we kind of move on. And it's it's a nice time, nice opportunity, isn't it, to talk about the ground and, and what it represents. Because even as someone as not a Brentford fan, I know how kind of special that ground is and how unique it is. I mean. What does it What does it mean? We're just speaking to Jim there. What it represents to him and his family, how he 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 sees his dad. Uh, what What does it kind of represent to you? And how how sad are you almost that this is this is not going to be there forever? I guess the more the more I think about it, and and, and the more the closer it does actually get to mm. us leaving, you realise how special it is to so many people. Yeah. So the 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 analogies with worship and church and and faith. They do. It does become the analogy becomes stronger. Um, You know, and it's also the place means so many things to so many different people, and so many people that aren't actually around anymore. So there are. You know, we've been there since 1904. It goes through four or five generations of, Mm. of, of supporter, all of which the club meant everything to them at their time of of support worship following and you know there so when we will leave i think it is right for us to kind of spare a moment for not only ourselves and what the place means to us but what it has meant to our you know our fathers forefathers Mm. and their forefathers so i guess i guess that the the spirituality does come into it you know again i'm not a religious person i don't have a faith but i do understand that the place is it means something special. It's in the hearts of so many people. So it, the, the the lineage is there. Yeah, there's something sort of beautifully intangible about it as well. That not only are you connected to like your own past and your own family past, but all these other people's family pasts as well. And there's something really kind of wonderful about that. Mm. Um, but I've got some I've got some thoughts from some other Brentford fans, which are way more articulate than I'm going to be in this moment. <laughs> um, so John says, um, for me, it's the sense of togetherness and sheer unbridled joy when we score. So complete unity. From from all Brentford fans, regardless of age and background, when that ball hits the net, and I, that's a that's a lovely sentiment. You can you can just reading those words, you can hear the that, sound, the roar, right? Yeah, yeah, you can hear the sound of the ball hitting the net, and then the roar as everyone mm. sort of jumps up. Um, and Phil says, walking to and into Griffin Park, taking my place on the terrace and waiting for kickoff feels rather ritualistic. And we were saying in the pub beforehand, Dave, isn't it, that um, actually you don't think about whether or not you're going to go. You just go Saturday, yeah. Yeah. three p.m. You, you're there. It's just a given. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's like you've brought up in a very strict mm. religious environment, <laughs> and on a fri- whether it's a Friday to prayer or whether it's a Sunday to to mass, then yeah. you do that. And mm. I don't think about. I, as you know, I don't get up on a Saturday and go, mm, what should I do today? Oh, I'll go to football. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah. knows where you are yeah. on that day. Exactly. And you go and you're with your people and you share that, that kind of amazing transformative experience. Um, but I think Gemma puts it best. Um, and Gemma says, um, so for me, Griffin Park is a church in two ways. 
First of all, in its fabric as a building, the way different butts have been added over the years, the way all the events and emotions, and let's be honest, prayer that has happened there um, seems to hang around. And I think we can all say we've been in Griffin Park and you know had a quick prayer, even if we're not religious. Um, Gemma's an engineer and she says, I'm a bit obsessed with buildings, uh, unsurprisingly. Um, and though I'm not religious, I visit loads of churches and I've had the privilege of being in an empty Griffin Park on a few occasions. And for me, it's the same feeling, a residue of what's been experienced Experience there over the years I love it mm, that's, that's nice it's very well put yeah. I suppose the, the question is as you then look ahead to the move because there, there has to be excitement about that Do you know what I mean it's a strange emotion isn't it that you're so sad at the same time it's also this has to happen as, as a football club ultimately to, to progress is, is that how you see it yeah I, it's it's something we, we, get, we have to embrace it's you know we, we, we can we can you know get down in the dumps a bit we can get emotional we can we can reminisce but we have to we have to look forward there's there isn't any point in life as well to look backwards constantly it's about how how the club can progress obviously maintain its identity and not not compromising on on values and and ideals i think that's that's critical we you don't want the you don't want the feel of the club to change too much but we we have to, we have to progress, but yeah. we, you know what what's important, and you know what this kind of hopefully this conversation, this sec, this section, and um, and this book's coming out, and you know there's a, there's a, a whole series of of, of um, sort of remembrance ceremonies, as it were, that we will will leave and we'll remember the old girl uh, as <laughs> as as she would have wanted, yeah. you know, yeah. and to, to to mark those, you know. Let's be honest. There's not been a huge amount of amazing days there, but all of the amazing days that have been. What? Well, you know, we we you know we got promoted to the top flight once. We've been promoted out of the bottom division a few times. We've had great cup, We've had great cup runs. <laughs> yeah. We've had forty odd thousand. We all have. You know, we've had great. Yeah. We, we we've. But it's not like we've won you know European Cup games there and stuff like that. You know, it. But it is our home, and we will we will remember it and mark it in 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 the right way. Yeah, um, and I think a couple of things like this was um, Saturday was my first home game of the season, and we've got the countdown board, and we're thinking about how what many games left. Yeah, yeah. Right. and I didn't know that was there, and I, at half time I was a bit like, oh, <laughs> this is brutal, but also God, like really that's beautiful. Be weird the last few, isn't it? I actually it? thought yeah, it was the right? worst lottery in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you might win it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The chances of winning that are, are very hot, lower than the chances of getting an <laughs> exact thousand in the attendance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one called up, by the way, with that one. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, disappointed. Um, but you say it was something you, you pick up on what you said, Dave, about kind of retaining that kind of identity when you do move on. It is a really important thing, isn't it? Because it, it's happened and it happens constantly at other football clubs, doesn't it? You know, buying new stadiums, not buying, sorry, building new stadiums and, and moving forward. And sometimes it's done really well and sometimes it's it's not done so well how much of kind of a, a consultation and how much kind of information has the football club been given you because I, i'm sure they're very sensitive about the fact that you know this move cannot be done kind of lightly it's not about just building this this a brand new you know swanky stadium it's about kind of retaining exactly what your football club kind of is isn't it and how, how much the club been speaking to you about that and how how confident are you that they will deliver that for you yeah, the, the there have been consultation groups going on for the last couple of years. Um, to be honest with you, and they they have hired um, a, a lady to to look after the the, the farewell Griffin Park. Yeah. Um, the exact 
program I'm I'm not aware of per game, but probably as as we get after Christmas when the actual sort of proper countdown starts. Um, there are other events, you know. Uh, there's a you know I'm publishing a book about Harry Curtis years. He was the greatest Brentford manager. He he took us from 1926 to to the you know the, the top flight and the big one of the biggest clubs in Britain. Um, so we've 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 made contact with the Curtis family. They're going to come back. So it's, it's it's kind of piecing piecing today and various you know significant parts in the club's history and and bringing different personalities back as the games tick down. The the exa- how how the last match plays out, God only knows. Hopefully, it's <laughs> a play- tears. Well, hopefully it's a playoff game to yeah. to, to plan after <laughs> that. That'd be fitting, wouldn't it? So yeah. So this is all in our minds. You know what I mean? Until until the season gets to the business end it's really difficult to work out whether Barnsley at home will actually be the final game mm. or whether it's going to be a Leeds a Derby a Barnsley or whoever yeah but we're but we're really lucky because we're not having some like out of town giant monstrosity built no. we're moving like five minutes down the road and I think that's super important or it feels super important to me anyway. yeah so, so people's but, uh, trips and journeys to the to the game doesn't completely change no. again you talk about that routine yeah, I suppose that when people do make that change and suddenly their, their trip to the ground completely changes, it, it is weird. it's weird for people, isn't it? If you've got people going for 30, 40, 50 years of their life and now you ask them to go a different way to the ground, obviously they're going to do it, but it is nice, doesn't it, that you retain the same kind of ritual of going to the same place on the same car, park, train, mm. tube. Do you know what I mean as before? And history is a very long time. Ho- yeah. Hopefully that we'll, we'll be at our next ground even longer than we were here. And we did have previous grounds. Griffin Park isn't our only ever ground, no. so we have moved from other places. So, you know, but it's a, it's a chunk of time. You know, 1904 to is a significant period of time. So, you know, and the grounds changed significantly within that. So, you yeah. know, people that grew up on the Royal Oak End where there was like, a, you know, a 15, 20,000 end, it's a very different ground to that. So they'll, they'll be remembering the ground as it was mm. pre-85. But there's a lot of fans that have fallen in love with the ground in the last five years. So it's different things to different people. So, you know, it's going to be a different experience that everyone everyone goes through yeah, yeah. and some lovely things said uh, about the stadium right we do need to take a break only until 9 p.m we need to look ahead to the Leeds game on wednesday evening uh, in a short few moments we're going to be joined by andrew dalton who runs the lufc stats he'll of course give his take on the Leeds side of things and of course we'll speak to dave and katie as well about how they think that game will go on wednesday evening it's the brentford fan show here on love sport Love sport. Yeah, we'll be joined by Andrew Dalton. Uh, in a moment, he runs LUFC Stats. It is Leeds United up next for Brentford Wednesday evening. I mean, guys, is it a good time to enter Ellen Road early on in the season or is it one you'd rather kind of do a little bit later on when things are kind of more up and running or hopefully when they've burnt out by the end of the season as they tend to have done over the last couple? Oh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. I've gone straight in there. Nicely right? pointed out. Mate, we should, have got, we should have got the old Joy Division. <laughs> Leeds are falling apart again. Oh, yeah, that would have been good. Mm, I, I, I really, really, yeah, I should have put a bit more thought into that. No, um, it's, it is one you want to get out of the way, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, it is probably the toughest away game of the season. We we do okay there. We've we've we yeah. have we have lost recently, but we we went a long time without defeat. Um, we we, uh, too many draws and but a couple of wins too. So um, it, it is a decent hunting ground for for Brentford, and they're they're 
pre- the pressure that Leeds put on their own fans when things aren't um, on their own players when things aren't going particularly well. It's one of those if if you don't concede in the first five minutes and you can kind of get the get yeah. the game settle in. Se- yeah, um, we don't. It, it, as I said earlier, it could go one or two ways. Um, you know, I, I, I can't see it being a draw to no. be with you on Wednesday night. I think when I stick my accumulator on for Wednesday, a bet responsibly, it is a both <laughs> teams to score one for me. We have got Andrew Dalton from LUFC Stats. Andrew, let's start there. I mean, are you expecting goals, Mr. Statman? Yeah, it's always a bit of a spicy affair uh, any time sort of Brentford come down to London. Obviously, last season we had the, the incident with the penalty and uh, I think the alleged headbutt was Sergio Canos and obviously Pontus scored in the last minute. Uh, obviously, now play for Brentford. So, uh, look, I think we started off reasonably well. We've taken seven points from nine. It, it's so early to, to really tell at the start of the season. I think from a league perspective, uh, we all got probably slightly carried away last season and caught in the emotion of it all and it was probably you guys that, that ended our dream down at Griffin Park uh, a ground we've not won out since 1961 uh, so yeah I think it will be goals on, on, on Wednesday night I think it's what I think we're all looking forward to uh, evening, mate. How, how are you? You all right? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm all. I'm all good. I'm all good. Um, you know, you rightly you brought up last season's encounter. Um, it was yes. a, it was a bit of a bit of a feisty one on the, on the TV. Um, yes. Not all your games were on TV, I know, but that was that was on TV as well. <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. Sky Sky leads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but obviously, you know, Pontus's return to Ellen Road yes. tomorrow. It, it, it's it's really. I mean, it's not even the elephant in the room. It, it's it's going to be the biggest talking point in the pubs in the away pubs and the home pubs what kind of what kind of reception is he going to get and what what what, what's the the build-up to this i I, I think from sort of reading social media it's not always easy to gauge a full opinion on on social media through twitter that i think it'll be mixed i think from my perspective when when he came to leeds in sort of august 2016 no it was a bit unheard of uh, and he settled in very quickly and became a bit of a cult hero at Ellen Road and scored some vital goals. Uh, and I think from a Leeds perspective, it was just how quickly the deal was done. Uh, and, and obviously he moved along to, to Westland and to, and to Griffin Park. So I think there'll be a lot of fans that will probably applaud him. And I think there'll probably some fans that won't. I, I think that's just football, unfortunately. But from my point of view, I thought he did really well at Leeds. He was a bit of a hero at Leeds. Uh, but players move on in football, and it's just part and parcel of the game, really. It's been, it's been difficult for us as well because obviously we had our opinions of Pontus after that yeah. game, and when when we found out that you know there was the, the talk of him coming to Griffin Park was actually serious yeah. and not not clickbait, then we kind of had to kind of recalibrate what what we yeah. thought of him. Yeah, um, yeah. And now he's our ca- he's our club captain, and it would, yeah. it would seem that we're getting. The right Pontus Janssen, not 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 the problematic Pontus Janssen. Yeah, I, I think there were times there's been a lot of stories floating about uh, in, in news articles and what have you that when he's on it, he's probably one of the best central defenders in the league. Uh, when it doesn't kind of go his way, he he kind of sulks at times. And if you can get the best defender in the league that we saw for quite a long time at Leeds, you've got a very very good defender there. Yeah, disappointed to see him go. Away. I'm disappointed to see Leeds players leave. Uh, but from my point of view, he goes my best wishes, and he did a good job while he was at Leeds, and, and and we move on. But I certainly think it'll be an interesting reception he gets on Wednesday evening. Um, so hey, it's hey Andrew, it's Katie here. Um, so Hello, Katie. does that feel like he's gone from a bit of a sort of hero to zero for you guys in terms of your it's, fan it's reception? A bit, it's a bit difficult to sort of say from hero to zero because to me, 
once you're at a football club and you're kind of involved in that football club, and he's, as I said, become a bit of a hero with his, with his sort of lapping it all up and what have you. Uh, Plays to me never goes there. It's a short career football, and if you're not wanted at one club, then another opportunity comes along. And uh, he's gone to Griffin Park. He's gone to a club to me that always gives Leeds problems. A club that are on the up and up. That are moving into a brand new stadium next season. Uh, seem to always be there or thereabouts, whether it be under Dean Smith or, or Thomas Frank. I think he's done a really good job at Griffin Park. Uh, and, and, and that's again up to Pontus. So I think it'll be a, a mixed reception, Katie, that he'll get, but certainly not here to there from my perspective. He did a lot of good at Leeds. He got Leeds that certainly in, in a lot of games in his first season. He's got a lot of important goals. Uh, and, and we'll just see what, what we're going to get off him on, on Wednesday night. I'll either score or I'll have a stinker. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping for the latter. That sounds about right. Um, so can I ask you about your, how important you think your home form is going to be for you guys this season? Because last season you won, what, 14 at home and then you also had 11 away wins, which is quite a yes. tasty number. Uh, I'm certainly on the old adage, old school, that if you, if you win your home games Fortress. and you draw your away games, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're certainly going to be up there. Uh, now, obviously, we, we look back at uh, some crucial home defeats, Sheffield United uh, back in, in March, and, and then, of course, Wigan on, on, on Good Friday, the two home games that killed the, the ultimate dream of getting into the Premier League. So, I think home form is massive for any team that wants to challenge for promotion. So if, you, if you win your home games, it, it does kind of take the, the pressure off uh, away from home. So, if, if Leeds can win 15, 16 home games, what's that, 48 points, and, and you're picking up points away from home, I think you've got a very good chance of certainly making the plus, if not making automatic promotion. Yeah. Well, Wednesday night, again, is a, is a kind of a, a strange combination of uh, red button availability yeah. <laughs> which yeah. means uh you know a lot of people on a, on a midweek night that don't want to take you know a day off work or, or yeah. whatever yeah. and obviously your your infamous ticket prices oh, where, yeah. where, <laughs> where it's, it's it's north of north of 42 quid yeah. to, for an yeah. away fan to get in um, yeah. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be there will be a, a you know a, a loyal um, you know strong band of oh, bees yeah. going up yeah. there, but it's 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 a toughie, isn't it? You're, you know, there's a lot of um, Leeds fans that kind of defend your ticket policy. Do you, uh-huh. fi- do, do you find that do you find that a really sticky sticky I, I, one I to defend? It, it, it's difficult because for me, like in the Premier League, I think away ticket should be capped at thirty pounds uh, and making it. A, a, a good price for people who've got children as well, and especially on a, on a Wednesday evening. Uh, for me, I think this is something the EFL I've certainly got to look at as far as fixtures go, because making a team from from West London travel all the way up to up to, up to Yorkshire on on a Wednesday evening. Okay, it might be in the school holidays, but people have got jobs and people working, and, and people are going to be getting back at what two, three, four in the morning. And I, I had it when I was going up to Griffin Park with Leeds a couple of years ago. It always seemed to be sort of a midweek game, and for some unknown reason and why they don't make these games just Saturday games. Certainly Saturday 3 o'clock games can also be played on Saturday lunchtime last year at Ellen Road. It just makes more sense. But uh, when do the AFL and Common Sense ever go together? Hmm. But what's the stats, <laughs> Andrew? Are, are you the, the highest priced tickets, particularly away? Do you know? I think I think us on Sheffield Wednesday uh, are quite high priced. I know Ipswich was quite high priced. Uh, they were charging 40-odd quid last season, so... It's difficult because it's it supply and demand again when it comes to yeah. football tickets and rip off, rip off Yorkshire. Get... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, if, and if people are going to uh, come up, up to the game and buy the ticket, there's always going to be the supply and demand there. So it's a really difficult one because it's a real certainly fine balancing act between clubs, not just Leeds and certainly other clubs as well in the football league that. Uh, 
that, that make up the ticket prices. To me, I'd, I'd like to see a cap, uh, as I say, 30 quid for all away games like we in the Premier League. And I think you might be able to get more fans up to away games. Before we, Obviously, we're going to go on to predictions in a second, but you know, you run a stat site. Um, yes. And uh, on Besotted, we've, we, we do talk about stats quite a lot. Our, our, yes. our favourite percentage is 74%. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what is your favourite percentage? Oh, crikey. Crikey, favourite <laughs> percentage. That's... that's, that's uh, Put you on the spot. <laughs> crikey. I, I think at the moment we're on about probably 80-odd percent. 80%, okay. Seven points from nine. Uh, and what have you. Although, it, it, my, my favourite number, and I'm going to plug, plug this a little bit, it's our, it's our 100th year anniversary right. uh, this year uh, in October. And I've, I've got a book coming out, uh, Leeds United for the first 100 years, which will be available in all good bookstores uh, come October. So I think 100 is probably my favourite percentage. And I just hope <laughs> we're, we've still got an unbeaten run come uh, come 10 o'clock on, uh, on Wednesday evening. Nice one. Slick plug. Uh, Andrew, go on then. Let's give you a prediction for the game oh it's never easy up until sort of 2016-17 when, when we beat you with a late Cal Bartley goal and then Liam Cooper scored the winner when Dean Smith uh, moaned about the grass uh, you, you had a very good record at Eleanor and you're always one of these tough sides to beat and I remember Alex Pritchard I think scored a winning goal uh, the previous year, I, I, I think without Mope, I think you might have lost something sort of up top I think I fancy leading the odd goal in three alright well top man Andrew thanks very much for your time mate Thank you. No very problem. Much. You there we are. That's Andrew Dalton, uh, LUFC stats. So, look, we've got about a minute left. His prediction, he's confident, as you expect him to to be. I mean, she's got a decent record, though, though up at Leeds. What do you think? Can you go there and get a result? Look, he's got every right to be confident, let's be honest they with you. They all are. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're still a strong team. They're a very high-tempo team. The yeah. good thing about Leeds is they'll try and play football against us, yeah. which gives us a chance. We're, we're a very good footballing team. Uh, he's right to point out the more pay situation we talked about this number nine. Um, but if we if we if we approach the game right, if we don't concede early, if we stay in the game, if we're in the second half, I think we can get a point. We are capable of winning. So if we can avoid defeat, I'll be a happy bee tomorrow on or sorry on Wednesday night. Yeah, same. I think avoiding defeat is the most important thing. But I think it's going to be spicy to steal Andrew's word from earlier. Um, I think Pontus has got a lot of skin in the game, mm. so I'm going 2-1. Ooh, Ooh, I like it. Go bees, on. obviously. Go on, stick your neck out. What are you saying? I'll go 2-1 bees. A couple of wins, a couple of wins. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Brentford a draw, win and defeat so far. Is it time to head up to Ellen Road? One of the pre-season, pre- one of the championship favourites. They will be to get promoted. It'll be very interesting to see. It is Wednesday night. It is Brentford away at Ellen Road and the Brentford fan show. We're we'll back next week, yeah? Yep. You're going to be here? Yep. We'll be back. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment 
to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.